Thank you for joining Cornerstone Worship Center's Building a Better Life. For more information about our church and additional resources, please visit us on the web at cwc5.com. Now let's join Dr. John Holler for part one of Healing. It's God's will for you. Good morning. I'm glad to be in church today. It's good to see all of you here. Today is an important day. As uh, every first Sunday of the year, we try to strike a note, Pastor Eric and I, to set a tone for where we're going. And we felt like this year, being a being aware of the nature of the Holy Spirit, to love people, and to help people, to guide our lives. We wanted to kick off this year with a series of messages on healing. And I mean divine, supernatural healing. I have, uh, for years, preached on healing, ministered healing to people in other ways, particularly laying on of hands and what have you the gifts of the Spirit. There are a lot of ways to be healed. And it takes a while to do a, a thorough study of, the, of the, the truths of healing from the Scriptures. You're not going to get it all today. I'm just sort of opening up the subject. Pastor Eric and I, throughout the entire month of January, are going to be talking about it. And we're going to be praying for you, ministering to you as we go. But we're going to have a special service set aside for healing, for healing and miracles to take place on the first Sunday of February. Now, not, don't misunderstand. We're not going to put you off a whole month. If you need prayer today, we're going to pray for you today. But I'm just saying we're setting aside a time, a special time of healing with a communion service on the first Sunday, that first Sunday that we're going to be in the new facility. It's going to be a healing service. And we want you to bring the sick. Bring your sick friends. Bring your sick family members. Bring them. And we're going to see God do wonderful things. I know that sounds presumptuous, but it's not presumption at all. It's not presumption at all. I've just been reading the Bible. Been reading the Bible. It's not presumption at all. I just believe what the Bible teaches about healing. That one thing you're going to, you're going to learn, if you don't already know these things, some of you, some of you, you've heard all of this. But others of you, you have to, you have to get a hold of this. It's God's will for you to be healed. It's really more God's will for you to never get sick. But it's God's will for you to be healed, healed if you do get sick. Amen. And we're going to talk about this today from Matthew chapter 8. Take your Bible. It's going to begin a series of healing God's way. Healing God's way. Now, there are lots of ways to get healed. And by the way, going to the doctor and getting help with your health is not a bad thing at all. If you need to go to the doctor, if you need to take some medicine, just go right ahead. But doctors don't heal anybody. They just help people get healed. Did you hear me? I want to tell you that it, I know it's the will of God for you to be healed. Because when He created you, He put a healing mechanism in you. He put several healing mechanisms in you. He put your immune system in you. Why is that there? That, we didn't create that after the fall. That was in us all along. That's how we were created. Our bodies are created to fight disease. I said, God put something in our bodies to fight disease. That means He's against it. That means He's against disease. If He put something in your body to fight it, it means He was against it all along. Come on. He was against it all along. He wanted you to have the upper hand against anything that would try to come against your body. Because your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now listen. I have to say this and I have to say this every time we teach on healing. If you are here today and you're fighting some sickness or some disease, and if, if there's one twinge in your mind or your heart that you're going to be condemned because you're not walking in health today, you tell that devil to leave you alone because you're going to hear this message of faith. It never fails. It never fails. If somebody comes up and says, Well, Pastor, I feel like I'm just terrible because I, you know, I've had this sickness. And you, Listen, that's crazy. This, this message is not to condemn anybody. This message is to help you get well. It's to help drive that nonsense out of our bodies for, so you can be well. And I'll tell you something. Nearly every time I, I, I plan, 
I, I start studying. Nearly every time I start studying about healing to, to, to preach a message like this or a series of messages like this, I get attacked physically. Thursday night, I lost my voice. Well, what's that about? You know, the Lord said, what do you think it's about? Oh, I was studying and meditating on, on healing. The devil tried to take my voice. You all hear that I have a voice today? Amen. I had it Friday too, and I had it Saturday. But I had to fight back. I mean, I still have my voice, I mean. Last night I was sitting in my chair, you know, meditating on these things, visiting with Miss Ann. All of a sudden, this stuff just hit my sinuses. Just like that. I thought, well, I wonder where that came from. I answered, well, the wind started blowing. I said, I guess something blew in. And the Lord's going, hello. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. <laughs> the devil hates this message. That ought to tell you. I mean, that, all that does. I mean, he's stupid enough to think that I won't get it. But I know. I know. That means this deal is real. It's real. It's right. He wouldn't fight it so. Huh? Because healing is not just a biological thing most of the time. There's some sort of spirit behind that thing trying to trying to get at it. Or organizing it and orchestrating sicknesses. Sometimes just to get us to eat the wrong stuff. Wow, was that a pen I heard dropping? Okay. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When you find it, holler, yes. Matthew chapter, I'm, I'm getting there myself real slow like. When he, Jesus, was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Now, Jesus had already healed some people in chapter 4. He'd been healing folks up in Galilee, chapter 4 the northern province that was really basically created by the Gentiles. Even called Galilee of the Gentiles. But mostly Jews lived there. And then he went up into a mountain. We're not sure what this mountain was. It's a small mountain range on the, uh, on the western side of Galilee. Probably up in there somewhere. When he gave the Mount of Olives, I mean, the, not the Mount of Olives, but the, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, probably Jesus' most famous message, most famous sermon that he ever gave. Powerful, poignant teaching. Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and that's where we found the so-called Lord's Prayer. And that's the mountain he's coming down from when he says he preached it first. He preached the Word of God first. And they said as he came down from the mountain... Great multitudes followed him, and behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. If you will, you can make me clean. He didn't say if you had the power. May I say to you today, the most important thing you're going to learn, I think, in this, is that it is the will of God for you to be healed. And that knowing that it's the will of God is probably the most important thing for you to get, for you to know. Because I, I'm convinced that people that believe in God believe that He has enough power to heal. His power is really not what's in question. Whether or not He, he, he can do it is what people have to know. Most of the time, though, it's amazing to me, so many Christians believe that God has the power to heal but don't think it's His will. How can it be that a father... How many of you are fathers? Let me see your hands. Heads of, heads of households. Let me see the heads of households. If you're, you're a mom and you're a head of your household, let me see your hands. How many of you have ever had a sick child? Raise your other hand. Right? Come on, one hand up and the other hand up. You've had a sick child. Okay. Okay. How many of you... you got both hands up, right? Okay. How many of you, when you had the power to get that kid well, would do anything it took to get that kid well? Let me see your head shake now. No, I'd rather. Okay. How many of you ever had a sick kid? 
and had the medicine to give them and thought, you know what? That kid brought this on himself. I'm not going to give him the medicine. Laughable, isn't it? Why? Because if you heard of a parent who was like that, what would you call them? Abusive monsters. Well, what kind of God would He be if He had the power to heal you, but wouldn't do it? What kind of God would He be? He calls Himself our Father. We're supposed to think of Him as our Father. What kind of God would He be if He had the power to heal, but wouldn't do it? Wow. He's the God who heals. That's all there is to it. He's the God whose will is to have His people healed. 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 You're walking in divine health today? Stay there. Do the best you can to stay there. But let me tell you something. If you're sick today, you've got a disease today, you've got something going on in your body, I don't care how long you've, been, you've had it, I don't care how long you've, you've fought with the thing, how, long you, how many times you've been prayed for, the Bible still teaches it is the will of God for you to be healed. It is the will of God for you. We're going to be saying an awful lot about healing, but I want to drive this home just for a minute. It is God's will for you to be healed. And I'm, I'm looking at a whole church full of people that love God and want to do His will, want to have His will working in their lives, or you wouldn't be in church at a schoolhouse with your reputation on the line. Yeah, you, you, you wouldn't be here if you didn't care what God thought about it and what God wanted. You want God's will in your life, that's why you're in the house of God. And God's will for your life is for you to be healed, for you to be well, praise God. He wants you well. He thinks about you well. Well, you know, oh, so-and-so just brought it on himself. I began to ask myself a question. Well, let's just read some more. And behold, there came a leper who worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I will be clean. Jesus cannot have one will and God the Father have another one. He's telling you what God is like. The Lord Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Did you notice that he, he reached out there and touched? Now there are multitudes all around. Get the picture. Multitudes all around. And here comes a leper. Now we know the guy's a leper because he's got a thing across his face, for one thing. And he's screaming, unclean, unclean. Because if he doesn't, they can stone him legally. Unclean, unclean. We know he's a leper. Everybody in, the, everybody in the crowd knows he's a leper. There are multitudes following Jesus. Jesus is walking along with his guys, his disciples, multitudes around, and here comes a leper. Unclean, unclean. He runs to Jesus. Well, can you imagine what this crowd's doing? Here comes this leper running toward Jesus. I imagine the crowd scattered. Hmm? I'm sure they scattered. He's coming toward them. Jesus didn't. He just stood there. And the guy came over and worshipped him. And, it, and when, when, when Middle Eastern people worship, they generally put their face on the ground. About all the way down. And he's begging Jesus, Lord, if you will, if you were willing, you could heal me. Jesus said, I will be thou cleansed. And it says that he reached and touched him. Ooh, he touched him. Touched him. It's not, it's not advisable to touch a leopard. A leopard. Or a leopard. It's not advisable to touch a leopard. No. Not, not smart to touch a leopard. Especially if you've got a whole bunch of people looking around and you want to have any sort of social life afterwards. Right? <laughs> Touch the leper, cleanse him, turn around and say, Hi, Bill, how are you? Sorry, I'm not shaking the hand of a guy who touches lepers. But they didn't. They didn't run. Something was going on there, and it seems like the Jews knew. All of that junk they'd been putting up with all that time, really, when they saw Jesus doing what he was doing, somehow they knew this was God. 
and this was God's will. They knew sickness didn't belong in their body. Your body knows. Let me tell you something. The only people in the world that ever act like that ever act like sickness is a good thing is religious people. Get that dumb idea only one place in a religious church. You can't get that idea from the Bible that sickness is a blessing. You can't get that idea from reasoning. I, I never find anybody. I never find anybody who goes, man, oh man, I can't wait for flu season. <laughs> that make any sense. Nobody does that. You know? No, 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 no. Doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense except in religion to say that God somehow is back of this or God somehow is doing this or somehow this is God's will. You've got to get rid of that. Got to get rid of that. Just got to get rid of that. Come on, tell two people, you've got to get rid of that. Tell somebody else, you've got to get rid of that. God's power is available to back up His will. A natural father wants to, wants to heal his kids. Matthew 4, 23, this is earlier, uh, before the Sermon on the Mount, it says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Everybody say, all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Now look, uh, then, then verses uh, five, and, uh, 5 through 7, let's read here back. Back in Matthew chapter 8. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. Still talking about this healing is God's will. I will come and heal him. Today, you are standing on the word and. You're standing on that word and. I will come and heal him. I will come and heal him. If you want to try to get your life measuring the life of Job, just go right ahead. But I'm here to tell you that something dramatic happened between Job and you. Jesus Christ died for your sins and your sicknesses. He was buried and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Glory be to God. And He did not do that for Himself. He did that for you. He was taking away your sins and your sicknesses. He was taking away your poverty. He was taking away everything that, that was against us. Glory to God. And he's, here we are today standing... I will come. Whoa, 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 whoa. He, he, he's not yet to come, although He's coming in the second coming. But as far as you and I are concerned, Jesus has already come. He's already coming. We're standing on the end. And the healing is right there at hand. I will come and heal Him. When Jesus is on the scene... Healing is on the scene. You know Jesus has come, so healing has come. We stand on the end today. I believe He came. And? Huh? I believe He came. And? What did He do? He healed. He has come to heal. To heal. I know some are going to say, well, preacher, you guys make, make too much of that thing. You've got to talk to Jesus about, some, about a preacher making too much of healing. Making too much of healing. He preached the gospel of the kingdom and healed the sick. Hmm, what's he saying about the kingdom? This is normal stuff in the kingdom. This is supposed to be everyday stuff. And the reason we have to talk about it so much is because it's talked down so much in most of our experiences. We're talking it up because the Bible talks it up. Now back here in this chapter 8 again, I want you to notice further in this story, this story, these stories overlap a little bit. But notice down in verse 8, this story is leading into the centurion who came. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. 
but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. I've asked myself the question over time, why would Jesus talk so roughly to a woman seven chapters later in chapter 15 and call her a dog because she was a Greek, a Syrophoenician. That is, Phoenicia was up on the coast west of, west of Galilee. It's still considered the Holy Land, but right out on the coast, a coastal city west of Galilee, and she was a Greek, but, but her nationality, I mean, her bloodline was Greek, but she, her nationality was this Phoenician. And she, uh, she came to Jesus, and he called her a dog, not because she was a woman, but because she was a Gentile. Huh? Because she was a Gentile. said, it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Dogs? Well, who do you think you are? Well, he knew who he was. The question was, who do you think you are? See? We got in on this deal by grace. Yeah, I mean, you know, dogs can only be so good. They can only be so good. You've got to get in by grace or you don't get in at all. Huh? And he's... He called her, but but he didn't call this 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 Gentile Roman. I mean, there were no more there were no more high-powered pagans in the world than the Romans. You couldn't be more pagan than the Romans were. They were bad. But he didn't call that centurion that. You know why? That centurion that centurion wasn't asking him to heal him. He didn't have a right to. And that centurion knew so. He said, "I don't even have a right to have you under my roof." I'm not worthy to have you under my roof. This guy knew who he was. He knew he was a dog. But he was asking for his servant. He was asking for his servant. And you read in Luke, it actually calls that servant. In Matthew, it calls him a boy or son. You know, in, in the Greek, I mean. In the Greek, it calls him that. But that's a term often used for servant. But you get to the book of Luke, and it calls him doulos. That means slave. Mm, this same story in the book of Luke. Doulos. So he was a slave. He wasn't a born son. A slave. So when the centurion sent and asked for Jesus to come, or asked for Jesus to heal his slave, he didn't ask him to come. Jesus just said, I'll come and heal him. And that's when the man said, ah, not, not worthy to have you under my roof. He said, you just speak the word. And we're going to read it here in just a minute. Now, I think this is awesome. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Why would he be so ready to heal this, this Gentile's slave? Brandon knows the answer. He'd be ready to heal this Gentile slave because Gentile Romans, when they colonized the people, they always took their slaves from those people. He knew that that slave was a Jew. Jesus knew that slave was a Jew. And didn't have to pray about whether or not he was going to heal him. Didn't say, oh, well, I'm going to have to fast and pray. You know, I mean, God don't get into slavery by, no, by, by, by just accidental means. I wonder what he did to wind up a slave to that Gentile anyway. Boy, I bet he's one sorry booger. God don't, a Jew, a Jew, a slave to a to a. A Gentile pagan like that? Well, I'll bet he was into gambling and lost all his money. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to think about this. Maybe get him into counseling a little while. Maybe maybe a 12-step program would work for him. Maybe, now, listen, I'm not against any of these things. I'm just telling you, Jesus didn't say any of that. He didn't say any of that. He didn't say any of that stuff that rushes to our minds that we need to get done. Huh? Oh, oh boy, I hope he's cleaned up his life. I hope he's. I hope he sure has repented of all that stuff he's done. That poor, poor, stupid Jew gets into gets into that kind of debt and winds up a slave. Oh, I just can't believe it! Yeah, can you believe that he'd do such a thing as that? And he'd come out here wanting mercy. Well, I'll have to think about it. I'm gonna fast and pray. No, 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 no! The moment he knew this man had a Jewish slave, he said, "I'll come and heal him. I'll come and heal him." Are you hearing me today? You never will measure up to be worthy of God's healing power. You will never measure up. God wants you healed. You're going to come just like you are. You're going to come just like you are. Glory be to God. In bondage, in slavery, 
having done stupid things to wreck your health, and Jesus is still the healer of those who've done dumb. How many of you have ever done any dumb things? Amen. Well, this is the right church. <laughs> of course. I will come and heal him. I've done some stupid things before. And I found that God is a God who loves to heal. Because he responds to faith. For I am a man under authority. He says, I'm not worthy to have you come. He says, verse 9, For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers unto me. And I say to this man, go. And he goes until another come. And he comes to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that follow, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And down verse 13, And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. Why did the guy get healed? The guy got healed because of that centurion's faith. That's what Jesus said, As you have believed. Because of what the centurion believed and kept talking about. I know how this works. You've got the authority. You've got the power. I love this. Now, see, the first one got healed because, well, Jesus just had power to heal. But this one got healed because somebody believed it. This one got healed because somebody used their faith. When you use your faith, things happen. I said, when you use your faith, I, it, it, I have people say to me, well, I, my grandmother, she passed away, but she had all kinds of faith, and she died anyway. We were all believing, but she died anyway. As though the message isn't true. As though what Jesus said there isn't true, because, you know, Granny is the most spiritual person in the world, even matching Jesus. Couldn't have been my Granny's faith. Pardon me, if it comes to me measuring your Granny against Jesus, she's going to lose. My Granny. It don't make any difference. We all have to read the Bible and see what it's actually saying. And here's the problem. If you won't believe what the Bible's saying about it, especially what Jesus teaches about faith, most of the time, you get people's opinions, religious people's opinions about faith. What they mean is they kept on believing even though, even though they were crushed like a bug in the end. Oh, he died a miserable death, but he held on to his faith. Well, that's not the kind of faith Jesus talked about. The kind of faith Jesus talked about was an overcoming faith, a faith that got its prayers answered, a faith that got its miracles, a faith that walked out whole, went in broken, and came out whole. Glory be to God. It's not the other way around. It's not the kind of faith that you got when you were whole, and you went in broken and kept the faith and died broken. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches turnarounds. The Bible teaches change. The Bible teaches miracles. The Bible teaches that you can be restored. Glory be to God. Get back what you lost. You can get back what you lost. Come on, tell two people. You can get it back. Amen, amen. Kenneth Hagin was 15 years old and dying of a heart malady that nobody, that doctors, specialists, specialists, heart specialists, said, this boy has to die. Those were their words. He has to die. Nothing we can do about it. He tells this story, this part of the story, in a little booklet. I don't know if we have it in our bookstore or not, because I went to hell. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the little booklet that says, I went to hell, it's got the flames on it. And he names an address where this happened, at 405 North College Street in the city of McKinney, Texas. On April the 22nd, 1933, Kenneth E. Hagan died three times. And all three times went to hell. But he came back, and I won't go into all the details, you get the booklet. Is it for sale out there? We'll get it. Let's get that thing. And it's his testimony how he came to the Lord. And when he was spared and came to the Lord Jesus, and started reading the Bible. He said, well, I've never read the Bible. I want to read the Bible through, you know. So he started reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He made a vow to God that he would not, that he, that he promised that he would obey the Word. And as soon as he understood it, that he'd obey it. When he read it, understood it, that he'd obey it. He'd do what the Lord told him to do. And he read through Matthew chapter 6. And man, he was just, said, I was just having glorious revival in my heart. He said, but I got to Matthew chapter 7 and it all stopped. He said, well, Lord, what's, what's the matter here? 
He said, you didn't do what you said you'd do. Matthew chapter 6. It said, take no thought for your life. He said, you've been worrying about dying. He said, well, okay. So he repented right there. Fixed that. Went right on reading through Matthew 7, 8, 9, 10. Found all kinds of wonderful things in there. But the Lord stopped him. Because it took him a while to get there. But the Lord stopped him in Matthew or Mark chapter 11. When he got to Mark chapter 11, he read these words. Verse 22. Have faith in God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. He built a ministry that changed the world on those three verses. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Let me say to you, anything, anything about healing that comes to you from the Scriptures has the authority of the Word of God back up. What I'm saying is, the authority for healing in your life comes from the Word of God. The authority for healing comes from the Word of God. That day he said, well, if I'm healed then, better act like I'm healed. And he threw the covers off and slung his little skinny legs out of the bed and went in there and asked Mama to cook him something to eat. She about fainted. You know, about to get him back in bed and all this. Long story, it's a great story. But he got healed. Those doctors said, this boy's going to have to die. Well, they were right. 71 years later, it finally killed him. He lived 86 years in divine health. Glory be to God. Well, 71 years after the first 15. Actually, he didn't get healed for quite some time later, but so I'm going to say he, he lived in divine health about 70 years, something like that. It was amazing, just an amazing story without the doctor's help, believing what God said. And you get your authority for healing from the Word of God. Wonderful stories like that. I've told you stories. Last week I told you a story about how Miss Ann just refused to let a man die on the side of the highway. I was praying my little denominational prayer, you know, but Miss Ann, she just began to <laughs> command him to live. I was begging God to let him live, and so she, she acted like God on the earth, which is how believers are supposed to act, and she commanded him to live, and he took a big breath and lived in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. I mean, if you don't want stuff happening, don't let that woman touch you. Amen. I was, uh, I, I got to thinking about this. Well, why, why is it that so many of God's people deal with sickness and disease? Why, what is it? Well, they call it theirs. You know, when I had my cancer, when I had my heart attack, when I had all my rheumatism is acting up, what are you doing laying claim to all that garbage? That stuff's not yours. There's a big controversy in the world. Every time, every time somebody else dives down to the Titanic, you know, or they show something about the Titanic, there's another big discussion about why did the thing sink? The unsinkable ship sank. Why did the unsinkable ship sink? It was unsinkable, but it sank. How'd that happen? Like a miracle. Huh? Unsinkable ship sank. Why? How did it happen? Well, everybody's got a theory. You see, the people who made the steel, the plate, the sheet metal that went on the side of it, they said it was the rivet people's fault. They said because when that steel began to split, you know, run down the side of that thing and open it up. You all know the story. I mean, you've seen all the Discovery Channel stuff. When it began to split, and it was sort of like tearing a piece of fabric, you know, it just began to split down the side as it's scraping against this massive uh, iceberg. It's just opening it like a can opener. As it began to split open, well, the steel people... Uh, said, hey, 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 it wasn't the steel's fault, it was the rivets. If the rivets had held, it wouldn't have split open all the way down like that. You know, they make a pretty good point. And the rivet people said, oh, no, 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 no. The rivets were made at, at, at the higher standards, and the rivets were supposed to hold the right kind of sheet metal, but yours was too hard and too brittle, and therefore, when it began to split, the rivets were, didn't match the steel, and therefore, it's your fault. And they said, it's your fault. And they said, it's your fault. And I said, it's none of them's fault. I said, it's the guy's fault that named the doggone thing. 
You know who the Titans were? It's called the Titanic, you know. You know who the Titans were? I mean, this ship didn't make one full trip. The unsinkable ship couldn't make it once across the Atlantic. I hope you didn't have relatives on there because I don't mean to make light of it. But I mean, because it was a horrible thing. It's in 1912, I believe. It down it went. Way down the bottom of the ocean. Took them years to find it. So far down. So far down. They named it after the Titans. In Greek mythology, you look this up in the dictionary. In Greek mythology, it, they were a race of giants banished to the underworld. I'm just going to let you think on that a minute. Maybe that's why it sank. Juliet was so wrong. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Not if you named it stink bait, it wouldn't. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Verse 14. Are you still with me? And when Jesus was come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. I wonder if it was the same hand he touched the leper with. Do you see what I'm saying? Jesus acted like there's no big deal to disease. I just touched the leper. Don't worry about it. He has the answer for sickness. He has the answer for disease. Didn't even think twice about it. And by the way, Jews really thought about stuff like that. Am I right? Jews thought about stuff like that. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. You might not understand why I'm going to say what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it like this. Healing is designed to keep you in the game. If the devil can get you sick, there's no other time in your whole life when you're more self-conscious than when you're sick. When you are sick, you think about you first. I'm not saying there aren't times. You're, you're born again, you love God, you do your best. But when you're sick, your natural in, inclination is to think about you first. And that is not a Christian activity. First thing it does is make yourself self-conscious and self-aware. Because a lot of times you're hardly even aware of our bodies. We're just out, you know, serving God, loving the Lord, and doing our, doing our thing. And all of a sudden, you know, that sickness hits. And you're conscious of it all the time. Conscious of that pain. Conscious of that thing. Conscious of what that doctor said. Bless his heart. He did the best he could. But he put something in your head that made you think, yeah, all the time. It's just there all the time. You know, what sickness does, it's what it was designed to do, take you out of the game. Get you on the sidelines. Get you where you can't do anything. Jesus is in the house. God Almighty in the flesh, in the house, with His disciples, the ministry team that changed the world forever, and she's laying there sick, can't do a thing. I don't know what you want to do when Jesus is in the house, but I want to be busy serving Him. I want to be up doing something to bring a blessing to Him. If it ain't anything but just baking some bread or pouring Him some water, I want to be doing something for Jesus. But when I'm sick, I can't think about anybody but me. Touched her hand, she got up. First thing she did, got up and started waiting on them. First thing she did, started waiting on them. It's the design of the devil. Take you out of the game. First thing in my head, when that junk hit me, the first thing in my brain when that junk hit my sinuses was, uh-oh, uh-oh, this will... 
invalidate what I'm going to be saying. I didn't say that. I said that was the first thing in my head. It's amazing how the devil says his thoughts using my first person. Did he do that to you? You idiot, why are you thinking that? I didn't think that! You did! Just use my first person. Make it seem like it was me. That'll make me sick, and it'll make me guilty for being sick. Are you listening to me? This message is not to take you out, not to hurt your feelings. This message is to pump you up. <laughs> Strengthen your faith to receive the word for those maladies that the devil has used against you. Sickness forces self-attention. And I'm going to move along. I want you to hear this last thing. Healing is an expression for the grace of God. Look at verse 16. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed two or three of them that were sick. Healed five or six of them that were sick. Oh, he healed all of them that were sick. He healed all of them that were sick. And verse 17 says, That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities, and bear our sicknesses. He is not saying that this verse was completely fulfilled on that day. He's saying his ministry of healing the sick was the fulfillment of that because he had already been healing other people. He's not talking about that day fulfilling it. He's talking about the very fact that Jesus was a healer fulfilled that. And that means that this is not going to be fulfilled if he's not willing to heal you. Oh, this is good. This is powerful. The healing power of God is available to everyone. It is the will of God because it fulfills the Scripture. Are you hearing me? And I ask myself this question. What were all these Jews doing possessed with devils? All these church-going folk that had devils. Why did all God's people have devils? It didn't say a few. It said many. Now, that's just in one town. He's in Capernaum at this time. He's in Capernaum at Peter's house, and it brought all kinds of people to him who were sick. It says many who were possessed with devils. Many. Many of God's people. Many Jews possessed of devils. Have you slowed down enough to think about what it's actually saying? God told me one time, he said, man, you need to get on the Mediterranean diet. Oh, you need, to, you need to start doing what they did in the Bible and eat the way they did in the Bible. You'd be healthier. I said, that's funny. Every single person that Jesus healed was on that diet. Right? Isn't that Right? Give me some bacon, bacon wrapped shrimp, praise God, deep fried. <laughs> I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings, but that's just about my favorite food in the world. Bacon and shrimp together. <laughs> Not about what you eat, what you don't eat. What you put on, what you don't put on. Healing is a supernatural thing from God. Healing is a supernatural thing. And we're going to learn later on in communion how powerful communion is in that. How powerful your confession is in that. How powerful staying in church and never missing a service, if at all possible. Here's why. Here, oh, amen. It's not just about church attendance, but it, it's partly about that. But the truth is, you can't predict when, oftentimes, you can't predict when the Holy Ghost is just going to manifest and begin to do things in the Spirit. Because that's miracle time. 
That's miracle time. When the Holy Ghost manifests and the gifts just begin to flow, you can't always predict that. It does, it's not going to happen every Sunday. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to say that, but it's rarely, rarely can you predict that it's going to happen every Sunday or every time we meet on Wednesday night. It might. might happen for six months in a row, every service we meet. Then it might not happen for a while because the gifts are divided by the Holy Ghost. Everybody understand what I'm saying here? Now, don't you just hate missing a church service? And then showing up the next week and having people go, Oh my goodness, you should have been here. Oh! oh I mean, it was awesome. i never seen anything like it. I mean, I've done that before. I just determined. I, I did that two or three, had that happen to me two or three times. People say, Oh my God, you weren't here. Oh, oh I, I can't describe it. Or try. <laughs> no, 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 you just had to be there. Oh, that fixed me. I'm telling you, I started, I was in every service after that. Miss Ann and I were talking about we came to the Lord. You know, we lost all our friends. Thank you, Jesus. Bunch of bums anyway. Anyway, we, our friends, didn't they didn't, want, they didn't want to talk about Jesus. And, you know, just come over to our house to eat and lay around and watch TV. So and when we got saved and we wanted to talk about the Lord, they didn't want to come back anymore. So the best thing that ever happened to us, I didn't miss them a minute. But I, I will tell you this. My best friend became a 67-year-old semi-retired Pentecostal preacher. It's not all that cool. But he knew the Word of God. He taught me the Word of God, and he had three services a week, and that wasn't enough. We had another little young preacher live across the river in Gainesville, and he had a Tuesday night and a Friday night. So we started going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, uh, Wednesday night at our church, uh, a Friday night, and, 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 and then there was a Bible study that we went to that the chiropractor, Dr. Russell, he did that uh, on Thursday nights, and, and we'd go on Thursday So sometimes we were, I mean, we were in church five and six nights a week before we went to Bible college. I went to Bible college, you know, and to take some time off from going to church. I mean, <laughs> we <were laughs> classes all day long, but I still wasn't getting as much as I'd been getting just going to church. I mean, we were in church service, and we saw wonderful things because we just never missed anything. Just never missed anything. Just never missed anything. If I had to work you know, on the railroad and be gone, miss a church service, oh, I just hated it. I mean, I just hated it because I knew as soon as I got home, Anthony said, John, you should have been there. It's like, you know, when you, you miss one like that and you, do, you, you miss a service here and there and wonderful things happen that you missed, when you go back to church, you get to thinking, if it happens more than once to you, you get to thinking, maybe the problem has been me. Of course the problem's not you. It's just you don't want to miss any opportunity that you have because wonderful things can happen. But I want to say this, and I'm, I'm finishing up here in just a minute. Healing. It's the children's bread. It's for you. And it is an expression of the grace of God. These were Jews. What does it say? Here they were keeping the law, doing the best they could, going to synagogue. They even mentioned the synagogue earlier. In the synagogue doing all the good things, all the right things, the best they knew how. And they were still sick, still had devils hanging on by the way, you need to know, if you're trying to keep the law for your righteousness, it won't protect you against the devil. It didn't protect them, did it? No, they were demon-ridden, demon-riddled, sickness-plagued. Jesus didn't come preaching the law. He came full of grace and truth. And when grace showed up on the scene, folks began to be healed. Healing is a manifestation to you of the grace of God. That's why he wants to do it. He wants to heal you, and so you'll be a testimony to all that know you. They knew you sick, and then they'll know you well. They'll know you healed, and you'll say, I got here by grace. God did this for me. You know what? They might just ask you how to get saved without you having to force it on them. There's a real good chance. There's a real good chance that people will get saved around you when they when they see you walking in this healing thing. And they see you hear you talking about this healing thing. In, in the name of Jesus. He went about doing good and his fame spread everywhere because he healed people, not just preaching. The preaching was wonderful, but but the manifestation and the demonstration of it was there too. Romans chapter 8 and verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God 
sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. What, what existed first? The spiritual world or the material world? Shout it out. Everybody ought to know. Oh, so God, who is a spirit, created the world. Therefore, he was prior to. The spirit is prior to the natural. The natural was born out of the spiritual. Oh, this is wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful that the, that the natural is born out of the spiritual? If the spiritual is there, then the natural is, is within it. I'm trying to be logical with you. If the spiritual is there, then the natural is contained within it. Since you have been born again, your spirit man, hallelujah, is in contact with God again. You've been revitalized. You've been reborn. Praise God. That means if you've been brought into contact with God in the spirit, then you've been brought into contact with God in the natural. That means that, means that whatever, whatever Jesus fixed in you spiritually, that will fix in you materially and physically. He made your spirit new again. He can make your body new again. And He's going to prove that to you ultimately on Resurrection Day. Hallelujah. If, we, if, if, we're, if you happen to go by way of the grave you know, before the rapture takes place, well, He's going to prove it to you. But in, even in the rapture, he, He's going to prove it that that body, hallelujah, is impacted by what happened so long ago in the Spirit. But between here and there, it is the will of God to manifest what He what He worked on the inside of you by having you be able to witness and others around you be able to witness the supernatural power of God manifesting in your mortal body. If that same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall quicken your mortal body. Make alive your mortal body. Yeah, your bodies are wearing out. Let's admit it, we're getting older. Come on, Tommy, raise your hand. I see you. Not Linda, but you and me getting older. And we're, and our bodies just wear out over time. But I'll tell you, you can live as long as you want to. I'm totally convinced of this. Believers have been taught wrong. We've been taught that there's a certain day set. Boy, when your number comes up, you're just gone. Well, that's not in the Bible. It's just not in the Bible. It's in the Bible that God will satisfy you with long life. Amen. It didn't really set a number, set two or three different numbers, and I, I don't even like that. I just like to think that I get what I want. I, I want long life. I want long life. How many of you in here want long life? You want to live a long time. See, if you live a long time, get to see your grandkids raised up, your great-grandkids, praise God, the longer you live, the more you take over. Well, your money's still drawing interest. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Amen. The longer you live... The greater you can, the longer you have to glorify God and to be an impact to a lost and dying world. Would you bow your heads just for a moment?